awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, we are letting this morning fourth and fifth graders go uh, as we just, we just always want to be cautious of, of when we share and talk about some of the things in God's Word. And so we're just going to look at a very weighty, heavy topic this morning. Um, and so we just want to make sure uh, in that um, that your kids don't hear something that you're not ready for your kids to hear. Not that what we're going to talk about in any way is wrong or bad. We just want to make sure um, that you can have those conversations with them uh, on your time. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, Genesis 1, 26. Um, and so I, I say all that to say this, that what has traditionally been known um, for this Sunday, the third Sunday in January, uh, traditionally has been Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, and so in much of the church world, that's what's celebrated. Uh, about this time every year, we get the, get the bottles, um, these bottles here. Um, and we try to help raise funds for the Carolina Pregnancy Center here in Spartanburg to just support, uh, to support that ministry. Um, and so uh, for me, I've been part of churches that has traditionally done that, that has helped out, that has done things in that regard that way. Um, but never been a part of a church that's actually talked about it specifically on a Sunday morning um, in the gathering. And so uh, a little bit about my story and kind of, I guess, leading this morning or prompting, directing what I believe from the Holy Spirit um, is this, for me, probably about five, six years ago, that changed drastically as um, there are like certain people that I read or listen to uh, online and, and sermons and different things like that, podcasts and all those type of things. And uh, about five, six years ago, um, uh, one of the guys that I listened to preached um, a Sanctity of Life sermon. Um, and so as I heard that, as I listened to that, as that helped shape and mold me all the more, I mean, I've, I've been pro-life for as far as I can remember. Um, and uh, even my wife uh, is, uh, an, uh, works, uh, does ultrasound at an OBGYN office. And so just even uh, for me getting to have kind of those scientific uh, conversations, even from like her standpoint. Um, and, and so science is not something that we're afraid of. God has created all things for, uh, to be, for us as believers to be able to use. I mean, he's created it. And so science plays into that and science points all the more to uh, who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's accomplished. And so to be able to have some of those type of conversations have, have been really, really eye-opening, really, really good for me. And um, all the more to kind of go back and forth and pair that with our faith. And uh, for me, it encourages my faith all the more. And I hope that it does that for you this morning as well. Um, but, but hearing that sermon five or six years ago and not really understanding what God was doing in my heart as a result of it has brought me to this day here to be able to preach and to kind of look at that topic and talk about it uh, from a, a God perspective, from a scripture perspective. And, and so this week as I studied and as I prayed and I'm just, just, for me, a lot of my study came from that sermon and even a lot of the, the notes and the things that I'm going to talk about and look at this morning is from that sermon um, that, that I listened to five, six years ago. Um, I, just, I just believe it, was just, it just points us all the more to the glory of God and to his heart. And, and I want us to be connected to that with everything uh, in us. And so I'm gonna ask you this morning, if you would join me as we pray. Uh, and I want us to pray a couple times this morning before we get started because I, I just want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear God's heart this morning in this place. And so there's gonna be some difficult work that we've gotta do up front to get us to even to the more difficult work of what God wants to do, I believe, through his word all the more. So if you, you join me as we pray, Father, we, we just want to stop before anything is really said or mentioned in this place this morning. And Father, we just want to beg of you that you would allow your Holy Spirit, that he would be present and active. I know he's present and he's active, but God, that you would uh, allow us to lay down our life, God, and be, be filled with the Spirit, God, be controlled by the Spirit, Father, that you would allow us to hear what you have to say this morning in this place. Not, not with the guy with the microphone standing on the, on the stage, uh, but what, what the God of the universe would want to say and accomplish in this place. And God, as weighty and heavy as this is going to be this morning, Father, I pray that you would move in a mighty way to save the lost. F Father, to set the captive free. God, to wipe away sin and shame and guilt Father, if that be the case, you accomplished whatever you need to accomplish and do in this place this morning. Father, Father, I'm just your servant wanting to follow after you with whatever you want to do. God, please don't let me get in the way. 
God, shut me up when you need to shut me up and say whatever it is that you feel led to say in this place this morning for your glory and for your honor. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so, so my hope this morning is to do this, is to make us more aware of how special and precious life is, all the while awakening us as a church, as believers, as followers to the tremendous responsibility to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. To, to educate us all the more in God's word with, with what God's heart would be for, uh, for life and what that means and what that looks like. And so like I said, I believe we've got to do some very uh, important work here up front. And again, I'm just, I'm, I've been begging all week that the Holy Spirit would work and move for those who are tuning in online, for those who are sitting in this place this morning, that the Holy Spirit would just work and help us hear the seriousness of this truth, the depth just in our souls would be open before God. And we would get what he would have for us this morning. So I want to look at, at two specific scriptures. They'll be on the screen. If, if, you, if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along that way. It's not, it's not on the app this morning, but, but it's on the screen. And you can follow along. Ephesians 6, 12. This is what the Apostle Paul pens uh, here in, in, in chapter 6, verse 12, where he says this. He says, for we do not wrestle against um, flesh and blood, but against the rulers. And so I just want to push pause for a moment to do some work there. So what Paul is telling the believers here uh, in Ephesus is that, is that they're not fighting against each other. They're not fighting against fellow man. So, so, I just, so hear me here this morning. So the big battle that's gone on over the last however long, uh, Republicans and Democrats, and I'm not going political. Uh, like I think that's, that's just surface level type stuff. I think there's something much, much deeper at play. And so what Paul is saying is simply this, is that we don't wrestle against that. It's not Republican versus Democrat. Or it's not this guy versus that guy or this woman versus this woman. It's, it's much, much deeper. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So there's been people that don't like me. And I don't feel like that that fight is against that person. There's been people I don't like. And I don't feel like that fight has been against that person, but it's been against something much, much deeper than that. That's just surface level type stuff. And that's what Paul is trying to tune them into to get them to see. He says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. He says, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So what the apostle Paul is saying to the believers here in Ephesus is that your fight's not against fellow man. Your fight and your battle is against something much darker, much deeper than that. He sheds light on that darkness that we're going to talk about today. He lets the believers here in Ephesus know as he's about to dive into the whole armor of God. He's going to commission them to put on the whole armor of God. And in doing that, he's setting up while they're doing it. It's not to protect them from somebody, but it's to protect them from the darkness, from the demonic is what he's talking about. So it's not man, it's something much, much deeper. In church, yes, we're a church that believes that, that there is spiritual warfare that goes on right now. I believe it so much that even right now in this very moment, if we could pull the curtain back for a second, Scott's going to get all weird, well, the scriptures get all weird. If we could pull back the curtain for a moment, and, and we could really see with, with, with kind of like a, a, through God's lenses of what's really happening right now, even in this place, as Satan is at war, to try to strip, to try to take, to try to blind us is what we see, what we hear. When Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the seed, many didn't get it. Why? Because the evil one come and came and snatched it away. I mean, and this is just what Paul is saying. He's pulling back the curtain and he's telling the believers there at Ephesus, which is telling us here today, that there's much more going on than we can even realize. And what we're going to look at today, I believe, is just one of those dark areas of the enemy. One of those dark areas where he has taken a foothold and he has made us seem as silly as the day is long and as crazy as the day is long. And so I just want you to be aware that there is darkness at play. That, that, that there is a battle being waged right now. That there is a fight that is going on for the souls of man and for the preciousness of life. And it is being waged right now for the people watching online, for the people that will watch online, for the people that is sitting in this room right now. That's number one. Number two scripture I want to look at is this. One that you're very familiar with. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but what will have everlasting life. We, we know that verse by memory. We have it hidden in our heart. We can recite it at a drop of a hat. But what makes that verse so sweet is the verse that follows. Look at 17. And I don't, we usually just kind of stop at 16. But look at what 17 says. It says, for God did not do what? Send his son into the world to do what? To condemn 
So what, what Jesus says, what Jesus' whole point is, what God says is, is that Jesus was not sent into the world to condemn, to decide or to, to judge the world. That's not his purpose of coming. But look at what he says. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Church, hear me. That's the whole point of Jesus in the cross. Not to condemn, but to rescue to reconcile, to save, to bring back to God, to, 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 to redeem. That's the whole purpose of Jesus. So he comes on a rescue mission to make a way where there is no way. And, and, and I want you, you've got to hear me this morning before we get into where we're going to be. That's the heart of Jesus. And church, that's got to be the heart of us. That has to be our heart. Uh, let, let, me, let, me try to, let me try to prove it to you, to you all the more. Uh, there's a story in the scriptures of this woman who's caught in adultery. And so they, they find her, they catch her in the act is what the scripture says. Catch her in the act and they drag her out half naked and they throw her in front, in front of the feet of Jesus and this angry mob is there around her. And they begin to, they begin to uh, uh, come at Jesus because their whole point is they want to catch Jesus in some stuff. They want to uh, uh, try to disprove him, discredit him. They, they, they're, they're wanting to try to work him over. And so they throw this woman caught in the act of adultery at the feet of Jesus and they say, hey Jesus, this is what the law says is that we're to stone her. But what do you say we do? See, they're trying, they're trying to catch him. They're trying to trick him. And you know what the scripture says? The scripture says that, that Jesus just kind of looks at him and he kneels down and he begins to, begins to kind of just, just draw or doodle or do something in the sand. And, and as he's doing it, and there's all kind of speculation of what Jesus did. Where we don't know for certain, so I'm not even, even going to speculate because it, it really doesn't matter what Jesus was doing. What matters is what follows that. So as he does that, he stands back up and as he stands back up, he looks at the crowd. And Jesus, Jesus, the only man there, has every right to do whatever the law would say. Act out however he sees fit, the son of God. And he looks at him and he says, I know what the law says, but this is what I say. You without sin cast the first stone. Ah, oh, that's a John 3, 3, 17. Don't know 16 without 17. You without sin cast the first stone. And you know what the scripture says? And I love this because the scripture is so intentional, so detailed. It says from oldest to what youngest, they drop their stone and they walk away. You know why I think it's the oldest to youngest? Because the older you are, the more junk and stuff you've been through. The more you realize and understand how nasty life is, how nasty you are, the closer you get to Jesus, how, how wicked and sinful and in need and everything that we have sung in this place this morning, how it reminds us of our great need of Christ. I mean, the closer I get to him, the more I realize how, how, how much I need him. And so as Jesus says that, it says that they drop their stones, oldest to youngest, and walk away. And, and then what what really just amps me up all the more is from, from this John uh, 3.17 where he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. It says that he goes over and he lifts that dear lady's face up and he looks her in the eye and he says, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? They're nowhere to be found. And what does Jesus say? Neither do I now go and sin no more. Jesus having every right to be able to stone her because of her sin. But that's not why Jesus came, was it? No, he came in John 3, 17 to do what? Not to judge the world, to condemn the world, but, but, but to, to, to save the world. And so I want to start out there because if we don't understand the heart of that, if we don't, if, if we don't understand the heart of Jesus, then what's going to be talked about this morning is going to seem unbearable. Is, is going to just the weight of that. So, so, so hear me, there, there is no condemnation in this place. None, no judgment in this place. And hear me, I will physically fight and I'm like, I'm, I'm scrappy, I'm not a good fighter, but I will give it a go. And I'm from the hills of West Virginia, so I'll fight dirty. I, I will do everything in me to preserve that in this place. To make sure that we understand and that we hear this morning that this is not a place of judgment, not a place of condemnation, that there will be none of that here. Because there's not one of us big enough and bad enough and good enough in this room to be able to, to, be able to do that. Not, not one of us can judge the heart. 
Not one of us is worthy of. The scripture says that even on our best day, that our holiness, our righteousness is as filthy rags to him. So we're not even close. Not even close. So not one of us in this room is anything apart from the redeeming work of Jesus. Nothing. Uh, Let let me try to prove it real quick to you. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And and so for us, we like to categorize, we like to play with, we like to put it it in categories, big to small, number one to ten, and and, kind of do things like that, ten being the worst. But you need to hear me this morning, church. God hates all sin. Our cute little small sins that we put in little packages and categorize. Just hear me. Jesus had to die for your lie this past week. You get that? Just like he had to die for your lustful look. Just like he had to die for you trying to manipulate and work over a certain situation. Just like he had to die for your gossip. All the way down to the guy sitting on death row for taking a life. At the end of the day, sin puts Jesus on the cross. Every one of sins, no matter how big or how small we like to categorize it, where we like to to put it or place it or, or, or make ourselves feel better about it, Jesus dies on the cross for the smallest of small sins. The the sin that doesn't even get out, but is just in your mind and in your heart, just marinating. Jesus goes to the cross. Look at Romans 6 23 says this. It says, For the wages of sin is what? Death. So because of sin, there's death. And that death is spiritual death and that death is physical death. There's separation from God as a result of sin and there's separation from the body as a result of sin in the grave. He says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what happens is Jesus dies. He takes what we rightfully deserve. God's righteous and holy judgment is upon him for those of us who are found in Christ. So Jesus doesn't come to condemn, but to do what? To die. Why? So that we don't have to. That's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of John 3, 16 and 17. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but by, through me that the world would know and be saved. So hear me, I, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what's happened in your life, but Jesus takes your sin and shame upon himself. And I just want you to hear that this morning. I want you to hear that, that no matter how great you think your sin is, you can be forgiven. You can be made right and holy before God. So I'm going to ask you one more time, if you'd join me as we pray, and then we'll dive into what God's got for us, but I want it to be a little bit different this time. I want to ask you if you just open up your hands like this, almost like you're going to receive something. Nothing weird's happening. This this absolutely does nothing, but it's just a reminder for us that, that, that God wants to give us, wants to do something in our life this morning. So as we pray, it's just a reminder for us that, that God wants to speak, that God's got something for us, and all we have to do is, is open-handedly hear what he has to say. Listen to the voice of God this morning. So would you join me as we pray? Father, we love you. Jesus, again, we need you. Please, 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 God, speak in this room this morning. God, make your presence known. God, thank you for your reminders so far, Lord, as we've looked at your word, your, your whole heart, your whole purpose. God, that we're fighting a battle that we, we aren't even fully aware of. And God, you've sent your son for a specific purpose, not to condemn, but to bring, to bring life, to bring reconciliation. And so God, I pray this morning that, you, that, that, that the men and women in this room would hear that. God, regardless of the sin, that the men and women in this room watching online would hear that reality. Father, that you've come to set the captive free and make right what can't be righted. And God, you can take that sin and that shame away. Jesus, we need you. Please, please speak in this place tonight. Shape our worldview. Shape our heart for your glory and your honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Genesis 126 is where we're going to be. And then we'll spend some time in the Psalms here in a few minutes. But Genesis 1.26 is where we will be at. And the first point is this, created man and woman. Created man and woman. And there is some weight and depth in that statement there. And so up to this point, we have this rhythmic, let there be, let there be. And God said, let there be. And God created and God said and God spoke. And there's this rhythmic thing happening. And then here in 26, we kind of see a break from that. Verse 26 says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so what we see here in Genesis 1:26 is a triune God creating. We see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit creating and doing a work here. Look at the plurality in that. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. There's plurality there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all present in this moment of creation as he creates man. 
as he makes man. So our image, what we see there is this, is that there is a uniqueness in man and our relation to God. God creates us in a way that, that we can embody his communicable attributes. Uh, let me explain what I'm talking about here. So as a result of being created in the image of God, we are image bearers of God. The imago Dei, made in the image, is what that means. We have his communicable attributes. We have intellect, we have emotion, and we have will. Intellect in the form that we can reason, we can process, we can think, we can take in and we can look at stuff and start to process stuff. We have emotion where we, we are capable of feeling. We can feel love, we can feel gratitude, we can feel desire. I mean, I mean these are things that, that God has created and breathed in us the breath of life whereby we can, we can process and do this. And then we have the act of will where we can act upon things. We can live out and we can do and we can choose to be and choose not to be and choose to do. So Adam, Eve, us, we are created humans and as created humans, we are different and more valuable than anything else in the creative order. There is immense, immense value in us as his creation. As image bearers of God, there is something different about us than anything else in the creative order. Uh, let me show you as he continues in verse 26. And let them, the them is the, uh, the man made in their image, let them, man and woman, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So when we see that word dominion there, what, what God is talking about is this, is that, we, is that we rule over. We direct, we lead, we control, we subdue, we manage, we govern. That's the role that God has given us. That's what he's called us to do and called us to be. That's what he sets it up for Adam and Eve there in the very beginning. So created humankind is unique even to the animals. As we have been given responsibility of dominion. To subdue, to take care of. We're unique compared to the animals that, that we feel the weight of eternity. We feel that. We feel sin. We feel shame. We, we feel those things. And I, and I know the argument might be, well, Fluffy, he feels shame too. He pees on the rug and I go over there and I'm like, Fluffy, no. And what does he do? He ducks his little head, tucks his little tail and he kind of creeps off. And so I will just argue with you that that's, that's not shame. That that's fear. And there is a great, great difference between shame and fear. Getting whipped and our soul feeling wicked is not the same. And I would argue with you, that's what Fluffy feels in that moment. So we as humans, we, we feel the weight of eternity. We feel the preciousness of life. We feel those things. We were wired innately different than any other created thing. And so then look, verse 27, as he keeps going, he says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. How? Male and female. Different sermon for a different day. I'm just going to leave that there. It looks like there might be one coming in the summer. God's stirring some stuff there. But, but anyways, whatever he's created, that's what he's created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. There it is over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So what's God doing? He's setting up responsibility. He's setting up dominion. He's created us. There. He, didn't, he didn't go to the line and be like, okay, line, this is what I need you to do. The desert, I need you to take care of it out there in the safari. I need you to take care of it. I need you to wipe out the antelope population sometime. He doesn't do that. He doesn't talk to the cow and say, okay, cow, this is what I'm going to need you. No, no, no. He's given man the responsibility of dominion, of taking care of, 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 of working and, and overseeing and doing a work there. He's given us that responsibility. It's the call for us to look after and take care of what? God's created order. That's what he has given us. Because we have the moral and spiritual component in us. We have that. That separates us from every living, created thing. You don't believe me? Turn over to Psalm 139, 13. Where does this image begin? Second point. Where does this image begin? Psalm 139, verse 13. 
this, this is what the psalmist says. It says, for you formed me, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Where? My mother's womb. Where does this start? My mother's womb. The imago Dei, the moral and spiritual component that we possess happens where? In the womb. That's where it is. God accomplishes this when we're created. Verse 14, he goes on and says this. He says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. For your eyes saw my unformed substance. So so I just want to push pause for a moment because I believe that there's a drum here that I just need to bang on for a few moments. I believe that this is huge. And I just want to tell you this this morning because I don't know if you've, if you've been told this before me, being in student ministry like I have before and, and seeing the weight upon kids in the past and, and things like that and having conversation with people in the past and, and stuff like that. But you need to hear me. You're no accident. Thank you. That, that's a great place. But let's try that again. You're no accident. That's exactly right. I mean, listen to that, that, that he, he knew me, he intricately wove me in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw what my unformed substance. God was aware, God knew, you're not an accident. Man, breathe that in this morning. And I don't care if you had a, a bum mom or dad or you've been in a bum system before where somebody has looked at you and told you you would never amount to nothing, that you're worthless, it's a lie from the pits of hell. That's what we're fighting over in Ephesians. It's not man and flesh and blood, but it's the demonic. That's what that is. You're no accident. There is no such thing as an accident in God's creative order. When he forms and he fashions and he makes, the psalmist just said it. He gets it. That God knew and he intricately wove you together in the depths. He saw your unformed substance. How can he see nothing? Because he's going to create it. That's how he knows. So you may need to hear that this morning. I don't care what happened that summer night with your parents where there was an oops in the backseat of the car, but that's not the case. There's no oops in God's creative order. There's no mistakes when it comes to God. He knows everything that he's doing, and he is well aware. And what lets me know this morning is that is how great and intimate he is in your life and wants to be in your life. That he is aware and knows your unformed substance. He creates you how? With a purpose. With a plan. He has a plan for your life and a desire to use you if you'll just be used by him. If you allow him. God has created you that way. No accidents. Verse 16, he keeps on going. He says this. He says, in your book were, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I mean, think about that. Listen to that again. In your book, every one of them, what? The days that were formed for me, that God, God saw in the future, God knew in the future, God was aware 25 years down the road, 40 years down the road, 80 years down the road. God, God knew every one of them the days that were you formed me whenever there wasn't any that I could even see. And he has a plan. There, there, there is value. And so church, hear me this morning because we believe that value of the soul starts where? At conception. At conception, it was, a, it was a few years ago and, and I was on the stage and I made the comment or I said something that, yeah, I came into being and existence November 23rd, 1983 and the kids jumped my tail after. So you think that's whenever life starts? The doctor spanks you in the butt and you take your first breath and it's over? That's horrible theology, Scott. And they're so right because we believe that life doesn't start outside the womb but that life starts inside the womb. At conception. And when God allows conception to take, that's where life starts. That's where it happens. That's where the value of the soul starts is at conception, church. Listen to this. Psalm 51.5. Turn over there for a moment. Psalm 51.5. The psalmist is writing and this is what he says. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and, my, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Do you hear that? I, I, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin and in my sin. My mother conceived me. And in sin did my mother conceive me. And so this is not an accusation against mom. This is not mom had a, had a crazy night one night and ran off on daddy and had, had something that went on down there and now she's all pregnant. We don't know who's back. Ba- that's not what this is. That's not what, that's not what the psalmist is talking about. 
what he is saying is this, is at conception, the moral spiritual component of his humanness was present even in the womb. His bent away from God was there even at conception in, in, in his iniquity and in his sin, his mother conceived him. At conception, it's there is what the psalmist says. That's, what, that's how God's word aligns. That's what God's word says. That it was there, that there's this bent away from God. And any parent in the room says yes and amen to that. We know, we get that. It happens in my house all the time. I mean, have you ever watched kids when they went through the biter phase? All I know is this, is that whenever mine tried that, they didn't see daddy because mama wouldn't give him the remote, go over there and say, hey baby, give me the remote. Uh Uh-uh, I'm watching my network shows. You ain't getting it. And then what does daddy do? I just bite her in the arm. No, 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 I don't do that. One, I'm smarter than that because I know what I get in return. You bite her and see what happens. They haven't learned that yet. Why, they just didn't get their way, so they freak out, and they're going to do whatever they got to do to get their way. Why? Because they're wicked, and they're created that way, and they know it. I don't get what I want, so I'm going to take what's mine. They didn't learn that from dad or mom. It's just innate within their soul. That's what the psalmist is saying. What about meltdowns? Any, any meltdown parents? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like your kid just loses it. Like we went through a phase with my middle kid. It was funny because Ryan came in this morning. We're talking, and little Henry, he had like his sock was down in his shoe, but he was handling it like a champ. Like, like, I've got a five-year-old right now that will fall apart if that seam on his sock is not lined up just perfectly to the contour of his toes. I mean, he, he, I mean he'll walk like he, I'm like, he, you would have thought the kid's leg's falling off. And then if we don't fix it within like two seconds, it is on the floor, meltdown, meltdown. I mean, you, you would have thought that I told the kid, all right, buddy, you're five, it's time to get a job or you're moving out. There you go. We're done. That, okay, that could kind of merit a a, a meltdown, right? Not just because his sock's not fitting, or not just because I won't give him candy, or not because I just won't let him get his way. I mean, that's that's what the psalmist is saying here. It's the rebellious nature of the human heart. And we believe that it happens at conception. It's there in us. So, so what does all of this look like in our day? What does all of this look like in our day and in our time? And, and, and I, I guess it's fitting that God would allow me to preach this in 2021 with, with the craziness of our world and it's just gonna continue to get crazier. Why? Because the demonic is at play. It, it, Satan wants darkness. He loves darkness. He wants manipulation and he's a liar and he, he wants to get us to believe wrongly. And so, so in our day, listen, in our day, abortion, that's what we're talking about, sanctity of life. So I wanted to set up and I wanted to show you creation when that soul is there, when it's present, when God breathes the breath of life in us, when, when that happens at conception, what that means, what that looks like. Now I want to I um, go against and show you what, what our world believes. All the while, please, please, him, showing grace and mercy and compassion to the heart because I don't know who's watching online. I don't know who's sitting in a room like this that may have been through something like this or have been a part of. And so, so I, I, just, I want to show grace and mercy and we're going to get there here in a few moments. But, but, but just, just listen to how horrific this is. So abortions in the United States from 1973 to two, 2018, 61.8 million. Almost 62 million lives lost. That's close to 1 million abortions every year. Where we believe at conception, that little baby is alive and has a soul. And that life is taken. Did did you know that there are 2,362 abortions a day? I just want us to feel the weight of that for a moment, church. I want us to be broken over that for a moment this morning, church. That yesterday, 2,362 lives were lost. Not from a disease, not from a pandemic, not from a war. There are 98 abortions every hour. One abortion every 96 seconds. So do you see where I go when I'm talking about how demonic, how dark, how heavy? 
And, and hear me, we're, we're not the first people to kill, kill kids, kill our kids. I mean, I mean, people you'll see in the Old Testament, people would sacrifice their children to Moloch. The Spartans, what they would do in the Greco-Roman era, they would have their son born, and as they have their son, they would take him out, and they would look over him to make sure there's no imperfections, infirmities, make sure everything's good, symmetrical, all that stuff like it should be. And if they deem something not to be, you know what they would do? They would go up on the mountain, and they would chuck him off the mountain to take his life. I mean, so, so we're not the first people. We're no different. We just think we're a little more civilized a little more better about it, dignified about it. Did, did you know that in the womb, a baby in the womb at eight weeks old has been seen to suck its thumb? Eight weeks. Hey, most women probably don't even know they're pregnant yet. Did you know that at eight weeks, a baby will recoil from pain? You, you, you try to take a blood sample from its heel? And that baby will recoil in pain. I mean, listen to the disc. Listen to demonic for a second. I was reading and I found this and, and I heard this in that sermon, but, uh, but, but the disconnect here for a moment. So I went back and I wanted to make sure and I wanted to look as crazy as this sounds. Just, just listen to this for a second. In 2018, there was legislature in Switzerland about lobsters feeling pain when they are boiled. So you're not allowed to just throw a live lobster in a pot to boil it. Because they feel pain and it hurts them. In Switzerland, that's a law. That you can't throw a lobster in a pot to be boiled. All the while saying that it's humane in Switzerland to take the life of a baby up to 12 weeks. And then you can even take the life of an unborn baby if deemed necessary by a physician for physical damage or psychological damage to the mother. It was saying that you have to do some sort of like magnetic type thing to, 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 to scramble the lobster's brain and then you can put it in the water to have it boiled so it doesn't feel pain. When at eight weeks, an unborn baby can feel it. Do you, do, you, do you see the disconnect? The demonic there? What, what's happening in our world? It's crazy. We were on vacation this past week. It's, it's funny that you guys are here because we was on vacation this past week. And as we're on vacation, we're walking up and down the beach. And, and I say that because you guys are, are there often. Um, and and, and, I, and, and we, we saw this like orange fencing around with poles in the ground. You, you know what's happening there, right? There's sea turtle eggs in the beach right there. And there's strict signs and apparently there's strict laws against uh, protecting sea turtle eggs. And I guess what blows my mind is we're more concerned about eggs for sea turtles than we are human life in the womb. Do, do you see how demonic and dark it is? And this isn't a, a, a Republican and Democrat thing. This isn't a, a man and woman type. Thing. This goes deeper than that, church. This is a satanic type thing. And I know the arguments that come our way that's fought with us. And really, I just want to educate us. My hope this morning is that God's word would, would be something that we would lean in on, that we would see we've got some verses we can talk about now. We've got some verses that we can go to. We can have some conversation when it's thrown on us. Because, because hear me, it's, it's going to be thrown on you guys in school, when you go to college, in those places, it's going to be thrown on you. You're going to be looked at as, as inhumane. Or you're going to be looked at as insensitive. And so I, I just, I want to get us to the place where we understand God's word. And so the argument that's often thrown up, it's not really a baby, but it's a woman's body. And I, I get that argument to an extent. And I say that because what I know, what I've seen, hear me, is that culture has sacrificed over and over and over at the detriment of what women and children. And so I hear what you're saying and I relent with you. But scientifically speaking, because the world wants to use science when it's convenient for them, when it's good for them. They don't want the church, or they don't want the Christian, or they don't want the believer to know science or to be able to use it and handle it properly. But scientifically speaking, it's, it's not your body. It's in your body, but it's not you. It's not you. And so I get that argument. 
And, and so culture, we, we've, we've sacrificed and I get it, but, but, but hear me, at the moment of conception, a soul is in place. That's what we just, that's what we just read in the Psalms. That's what God's holy inspired word has taught us. That at the moment of conception, there's a soul in place. And then out of nowhere, what happens? It's his very own DNA. That baby has its very own DNA. The pattern that makes it who it is. It is given DNA. Did you know that at six weeks, the heart is working and pumping blood throughout the body? At, at eight weeks, that baby's organs are functioning and working and doing And so, I, so I, under, I don't understand, but, but I see where we're trying to go with, well, it's the woman's body. She can do whatever she wants to do. But that's just not true on any, any area, is it? It's my body, I can do whatever I want to do with it. No, I can't. And, 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 and again, I want to be sensitive here for a moment. Uh, women, I, I, I do, I, I want to, but, but there is law and authority over a body, even a woman's. Like, you can't just prostitute yourself out. Like, that's illegal. You'll go to jail for that. So, so, so you, do you see what I'm saying? And, and so I'm, I, I just, I want to, I want to show, because that's, oh, they're right. That is an argument. That's, oh, how do I fight that argument? How do I, how do I go against that argument? But, but there's laws that govern us every day, is there not? That tells us we're not allowed to do certain things. And we only use those when they're convenient or when they're easier, when they, they fit best for us. And so the dark, demonic world we live in, let's listen to this. Let's just imagine for a moment. Listen, listen to this and just this story and how this could happen. There could be a woman on her way to have an abortion. And she's in a car and as she's traveling in the car two blocks away from the abortion clinic, as she, she's getting closer, there's a guy on his phone and he comes to the intersection and he doesn't stop and he plows into the car. He's okay. She's okay. She suffers some broken bones. But in that horrific wreck, the baby dies. The baby dies. You know what that's considered involuntary manslaughter. Goes on the man's record forever. But if she would have just made it two blocks further, she could have done the same thing with no repercussion. No fallout. And, and so I just want to press this morning here. I know uh, maybe that's hard. And it, hear me, there is nothing but grace and mercy here. Because that sin is no different than my sin this past week of worry and of doubt, of struggle, of fight. That sin is no, no different than any other sin in this room. Who, has the, who, who is able to cast the first stone? And that's not what this is this morning, church. Hear me, that is not even the beginning of what this is this morning. I mean, we hear the other side all the time, do we not? What does God's word say about it? which is the very thing that should govern and dictate everything about us. And, and I know that the women get a bad rap, but, but maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and, and you've had an abortion. I just want you to hear, hear me that there's grace and mercy in this place. There's grace and mercy at the cross that, that your sin, if, if you're a believer and that was something that happened in your life and you, you've repented and you're found in Christ, that's gone. But I'm gonna flip on the other side for a second too and say this, that if you're a dude that got her knocked up, and you press her to get her tail to the abortion clinic and, and terminate that baby, you are in no better spot than anybody else. Do you hear me? The women get the bad rap. The, the women are the ones that carry the brunt of that. But, but we are no different in encouraging and pressing and, and funding and, and helping even make sure it doesn't ruin our life. You hear me? A baby being born is not ruining somebody's life. E ever. Whatever mistake had happened, whatever sin took place to get to that place for that baby to be born. We just talked about how God was well aware and knew what he was doing. Well aware. So as the band comes back up, I just want to look as we close. What, what, what is our response? What should our response be, church? And, and I want to I say a very hard statement to kind of get us to where, where we need to be because I've, just, I've seen this played over in my life. We're in church, and I, I know it's hard, 
And what I've learned about church is that no one likes to crucify their own more than the church. No one likes to crucify their own more than the church. And I know the amount of fear in this place this morning. Of, oh dear God, if they really knew me, what would they think? And I just want to encourage you this morning, you shouldn't be worried about the men and women sitting in this room and their opinion of you. You should be worried about the one that's created you and made you, formed you and fashioned you, and is well aware of even the sin that you'll commit today. More so than somebody's lame opinion of you in this room. And I'm telling you right now, I will, we're not supposed to be physical and harm, I will do something to somebody. And I'm not joking. The moment I hear and find out that, that we're a place like that, we're not going to be that church that crucifies their own. We're going to do nothing but show mercy and grace and accountability and love. And we're going to define love like love needs to be defined. And we're going to walk with and care for. So if you sit in this room this morning, and maybe this is you, please hear me this morning. <laughs> there is no condemnation in this place for you. And if you're carrying the weight of that, you don't have to alone. I can't begin to imagine the shame and the guilt and the weight of that. And I just want to tell you this morning that Jesus is there to say, sister, to say, brother, where are your accusers? And church, that's what he has commissioned and called us to be and called us to do. So we show mercy, we show grace, we extend the exact same grace that's been extended to us. And I don't care if the worst sin you've ever committed is telling a lie, you're deserving of hell just as much as anybody else. And we're going to extend that mercy and grace. Because no matter how small the sin is, it sends Jesus to the cross every time. That's the way we need to feel. So what do we do with sin? All that was to set us up to this place. Our response is we do what we always do with sin. is We, we, we repent. We are broken over it. We are broken over it. And we ask of God to forgive us and to give us a holy hatred for sin in our life. That's what we do. We own it and we repent. And, and like I said, I think the thing that's heartbreaking and soul crushing for me is that there very well could be a woman or a man in this place who's never spoke a word to anybody about it and has carried the weight of that in their life for however long. And I just want to tell you this morning, you don't have to carry it alone. You don't have to carry that alone. Man, we're a community. That's the great thing about the church is that we're a community. We're a place where we can find healing. We can find hope. We can find love. We can find acceptance. We can find grace. We can find mercy. We can find everything that God has promised us. And now hear me, I get that we don't live that out perfectly and we don't do a good job with that from time to time. But we've got to do better. We've got to be better. I think the second thing that we do is this, is that we pray. We pray like fools for the cause of. And we beg God to help it end. We beg God. We pray for government officials. We pray for legislation. We pray for uh, ministries. We pray for, for God to break the strongholds. We pray like crazy that God would do a work. And then I think the last thing that we do is this, is that we enter into the fight together. Against. So that's why I love, I absolutely love the women that work down there at the CPC. My, my wife has had the privilege to kind of serve down there some from time to time and do ultrasounds and have women, like she'll text me every once in a while, Scott, pray like crazy. There's this woman coming in who, who is, is abortion-minded. And so she comes in and the thing I love about that ministry is they're going to share the gospel with that woman and they're going to show that woman that that thing in her body is not a thing, but it's a live, living, breathing baby. And she'll show her the picture and there's been times where she says, God, she walked away, she said she's going to keep it. So, so, so I want to support. I want to I be a part of a ministry that's for that. And they don't just stop there. That's what I love about the CPC is they don't just stop there, but they continue. They want to step into the man's life too. Married, unmarried, they don't care. They, they want to love and share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And so they're committed to walking with women. They're committed to walking with men through that process. Mentoring, showing men what it means to be a godly man, to be, to be the leader of the home, to, to parent and take care of that child. So we enter into the fight, and that's one of the ways that we fight it. Another way that we fight it, we had him here uh, a year ago. We're going to have him back again this coming year. But, but it's the, the Christian adoption service. 
And then that's a ministry, a, a, a guy that was local years ago that, that is a part of that ministry in uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina is their headquarters, but they've also got a branch here in Spartanburg, South Carolina that, that helps men and women get paired up and, and go through Christian adoption. So that's the way we partner. Maybe we adopt. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and in this God's just stirring in your heart, man, man, how can I be a part of the game? And maybe he's laid on your heart to be someone who steps up and says, I'll take that kid. I mean, there's a number, there's more need there than you can ever imagine. Maybe another way is that you mentor. You find a young lady that's pregnant or you find somebody that's, that's abortion-minded or whatever the case is, or you find one of these ministries and you go and you, you sign up to volunteer and serve or you serve here and we find or we hear of and we, we point these people in your direction and we give you resources and we help you. But, but you just get involved in the game and you mentor and you invest. I mean, there are numbers and numbers and numbers of ways for us church to be involved and to be a part. And so I don't know what God stirred in your heart this morning. I don't know where you've been. I don't know, again, like I said, probably in a room this size or, or those that will watch online this week. I, please, God, please don't, don't let them think that this is hard or, or we're trying to be hard. But, 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 but may you hear this morning in this place the grace and mercy of Jesus because there, there is no sin that's any different in the eyes of God. And so maybe for the first time this morning, you can have freedom. For the first time this morning, you have heard the message of the gospel in a different way in the light of the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. Man, woman, whoever. And in that, maybe God wants to do a work in your life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what, what road you've been down. But what I know is this, is that God's grace and mercy is bigger than any sin that you can ever sin. Any, any, in, in anything that you can ever try to do against. He is so much greater and bigger and better and he wants to move and he wants to cover and he wants to make right if we will just let him. And that this is gonna be a place of healing and a place of rest. So Father, we pray this morning in this place that you would move. Jesus, do whatever you see fit. Father, I know a difficult, hard message this morning, but because it's so serious. And so, Father, I just, I just want to pray for a moment, maybe for the, the woman or the man in this room that has been a part of or has pressured into, or, Father, even the ones online watching this morning that will hear this. Father, I pray that you hear that there's freedom in you today. And, God, that, that if they're yours, their sin has been wiped away, forgiven, and that there is no shame in the believer. There is no guilt. Father, you have, you have taken the brunt of that. So, Father, I pray for healing and freedom there. And, God, for the heart maybe here this morning that just needed to hear this, that needed to be educated, that needed to know. Father, I pray you just move. I pray you entice worship in us all the more because God, what you have proclaimed and said is this, is that every life is precious, every life is valuable inside the womb, outside the womb. And God, you have got purpose and intentionality in that. And so Father, may we feel that and understand that in a greater way. Lord, we love you and we need you. And we pray, amen. If you would stand, this altar is open. If you need somebody to pray with, somebody to encourage you, I mean, we'll hear Austin's here. We would love to do that, counted an honor, but, but you be obedient to whatever Christ calls you to in this moment.